Wait, there we go. Welcome everyone to this week's episode of In the Know with Cat Bobino. Today my extra special guest is coming all the way from Dallas, Texas. Let me introduce you to Gloria Ville. She has two positions. She is the Chief Communication Officer for INC Tutoring and she's also an Operations Specialist with Microsoft. So welcome to the show, Gloria. Thank you, Kat. How are Happy you doing to today? I am doing perfect. All right. How is the weather out there? <laughs> The weather is a little bit cool today, but the, previously this week it's been in the 80s, so Ooh. it's just cooling off a little bit today. Tell you about that Texas weather. Yay! <laughs> I love it. I love <laughs> it too. I miss it. Um, so, yeah, why don't you tell our audience uh, about what you do with both your positions? Okay, so with Microsoft Corporation, I actually am an operations specialist for the federal public sector, and what that means is that I facilitate booking all the revenue for services that Microsoft sells to the federal government. Wow. And, and, and in my position with INC Tutoring, I'm the Chief Communications Officer, and I take care of all the marketing, communications, internally and externally for the corporate, for the corporate entity, INC Tutoring. Nice. And so how long, if you don't mind me asking, have you been in your position? For I've been with Microsoft for about 15 years. Oh, wow. Altogether, um, I had a little bit of a break, but I've had some other positions with them. When I first joined, I was a technical account manager, which means that I was the liaison between Microsoft and Fortune 100 companies to make sure that they are successful with Microsoft products. Okay, okay. And then how long have you been with INC Tutoring? With INC Tutoring, I've been with it since its inception. We're in our fourth year right now. And um, I take care of all the communications for the CEO. Um, I also uh, kind of work as the operations officer because I hire tutors. I do marketing. I do all of the um, meetings with companies that we partner with. We partner with a lot, lot of nonprofits, mm -hmm. and um, I'm assuming that you're going to ask us what INC Tutoring does. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> I was going to be the segue and let us know more about INC Tutoring. Okay, INC Tutoring is a private prescriptive tutoring company. We focus on tutoring for science, technology, engineering, mathematics, and standardized test preparation. We are the only private prescriptive tutoring company in Dallas-Fort Worth that is African-American owned and our claim to fame and what makes us different from other tutoring companies like the big box ones is that we're holistic. We not only take in consideration the student but if they're from K to 8 we insist that the parents allow us to communicate with the school and the teachers introduce ourselves to the teacher so we can work together to help the student be successful. We make sure that we are able to get the, the teacher's curriculum map and curriculum calendar because our goal, if somebody's struggling in one of the subjects they're taking, is to ensure that we introduce the subject matter about four to six weeks ahead of what they're going to get in when they're going to get it in school. Okay, okay, so that's all wonderful. Uh, Let's go back into your history and tell us where you went to college, what did you study, and what made you want to go into that? Oh, my gosh. So um, I am the poster child for having a very varied background. Okay. 
So my undergrad major was a double major, criminology and dance, which oh, wow. is very interesting. Um, so I actually studied with Dance Theater of Harlem after I graduated from college. Oh, nice. Um, once I was um, had graduated from college, obviously I had some student loans to pay for. Right. So I joined the Air Force to get half my student loans paid for. Okay. In the Air Force, I actually was a mechanic for about 10 years, and I joined uh, as a mechanic because I wanted to learn how to fix my car. So <laughs> I, I ended up... That's very smart, though, because I, mean, I wish I did something like that. <laughs> so I ended up actually managing a shop of 75 guys before I start, stopped that oh, wow. um, career field, and that was during the time when being a mechanic was obviously a non-traditional role mm-hmm. for a woman. So um, I had a little bit of pushback sometimes from the guys that were working under me when they had to fix something and they never wanted to ask me for help. <laughs> so that was a very interesting position. I, uh, what I used to say was, well, so you don't have to ask me for help, but it has to be fixed before you go home. So it could be like today, tomorrow, Christmas, or whenever, mm-hmm. but it must be fixed before you go home. So while I was in the Air Force as well, I, I've always been interested in the legal field because of my criminology background in my undergrad. Right. Um, and so I, I cross-trained into the legal field and became a paralegal in the Air Force. Wow. When I, when I did that, I got exposed to all types of criminal, all types of law, criminal law, claims and tort litigation, environmental law, law criminal and, and civil procedures. And it was extremely interesting because I'm sure you know paralegals can do anything a lawyer can do except for represent someone in court. Right. Now, that's when I really got interested in technology because about the time I was, as, I was a paralegal at the time when computers started really taking off. Mm-hmm. And the legal field in, in the Air Force wanted to do computer networking, but they didn't want to use the same tool for it as the rest of the Air Force. So my, my manager, who was the staff judge advocate for that base, he said, hey, we want to use Novell for networking. The Air Force isn't using it. So if you want to learn how to be a network administrator for Novell, then we'll pay for the training. Nice. Very nice. Exactly. And, and about that time, you know, it was t- almost time for me to probably think about retiring from the military. And I thought that that was a great, a great career for me to be successful when I got out. So I was a network administrator for the legal field and for the legal office to begin with. And then I was really the network administrator for the whole base because the base commander was my skip level manager. <laughs> That is amazing. (laughs) One of the things I want to point out from what you said is you joined the Air Force to help pay for some of your college tuition. Exactly. You didn't mention anything about combat, anything about flying planes. No. A lot of times, I I don't (laughs) think people realize that when you, some people join the armed forces and they're not at the front lines. They're not doing all this stuff. Well, the Air Force especially, because I always tell people nowadays to join the Air Force and live. How many people, how many Air Force people do you ever see getting killed in combat? True. Not many. Usually the pilots fly, so they're subject to get shot down. Mm -hmm. But I remember in the Iraq conflicts, there was a bunch of Air Force people that got killed but they were they were at the airport on the bus, so they weren't oh actually on the front line. <laughs> he was on the bus. That's not funny. Oh my god, dang! 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think I know a few people who have joined the Air Force and they mm-hmm. weren't, you know, in the planes, they weren't overseas exactly. like that. You know what I'm saying? I think mm-hmm. that it's overlooked sometimes that to be in the armed forces doesn't mean you have to be yeah. in the front line. And if I could segue onto that as well. Yeah. The Air, so when you join the Air Force, a lot of people think you have to enlist in the military. There's also the service academies, which are free. And they're very competitive, like the Air Force Academy, West Point, the Naval Academy, mm-hmm. the Coast Guard Academy. So, you know, I think that that's something that our students should think about um, when they're getting ready to think about a military career. Okay. Yeah, that's really that's really amazing. Yeah, I honestly... You you only hear certain parts about things like West Point, you know. You only exactly. hear about this one, probably one percent of what's actually going on mm-hmm. at those exactly. academies. Okay, so yeah, so uh, let's even go back in criminology and dance. How did you come up with those <laughs> two positions? Those two. So I always loved dancing. I have took dance ever since um I was. In my in my early teens, and my mom, I got I don't know how I got really passionate about ballet. I've studied okay. all types of dance, everything except for tap. Um, but I really fell in love with ballet for some reason. I'm not sure why, but I signed up for ballet classes, and I even paid for them myself because you know how when right. kids are growing up, sometimes they ask their parents to let them take karate, and then they only stay in it for two weeks or something right. like that. So my parents thought I was going to, like, quit it. So I said, fine, I'll just pay for it myself. And I started paying for my dance classes. And when I got into college, I went to State University of New York at Potsdam, which is kind of an arts-oriented school. Mm -hmm. And they had a dance department there. And I just started taking dance as an elective at first because I was passionate about ballet. And I just kept taking more and more classes and ended up doing choreography and lava notation and being in productions and basically teaching class. So... I took so many classes that I ended up quasi being a major. Wow. <laughs> and then criminology, what made you want to go into that field? So I was really in- interested in the criminal justice system and the school to, pi- to, to criminal, the school to criminal justice um, pipeline. Okay. And I really thought that that was something that was uh, detrimental to our society. So that's why I got interested in it. Okay, okay. And then so going from dance criminology, paralegal mechanic, then <laughs> you went into a network Computers. administration at the Air mm-hmm. Force. Then exactly. at, what happened after that, after you left the Air so, Force? After I left the Air Force, I actually, so I stayed in the Air Force for 21 years. Oh, wow. And my last year, I mean, you know, 20 years, you can retire after 20. So my last year, I just looked for jobs all over the world. And I happened to find a role with a telecommunications company in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Okay. And so, um, and I met them at a job fair in Montgomery, Alabama, of all places. Oh, wow. I kept in touch with the CEO of the company, and they reached out to me because they both love to play, play golf. And I was stationed in Arizona, Tucson, Arizona at the time. So they wanted to come out and play golf, and so they were like, yeah, we're going to come out <laughs> to play golf. We'll interview you. So... They came out and interviewed me for a position as a project manager, and I got out, left Arizona, came to Dallas, Texas, and my first job with that company was to run the network operations center for the Bank of America in downtown Dallas. My my crew ran the network operations center. Nice. Such an eclectic, eclectic I know. background. 
Well, I just I love, love it. for people to know you don't have to have your, your career be in a straight line. Absolutely. I tell that to students all the time. Majority of the people that come on this show, their story is upwards, downwards, sideways. Exactly. You know, no one has a straight line. And no. I think that's amazing to, you know, let people know that it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay. I know. And also, I forgot one part of my education. I do have an MBA in international business. And the between my company <laughs> and the, because um, I had my undergrad when I went in the military. Mm-hmm. So between Microsoft and um, the GI Bill, I didn't pay one penny for my MBA. I love it. I love everything about that. <laughs> yeah. Not not one penny for that. That is not one amazing. penny. <laughs> yes, not one red cent. And so what made you do international business? Because working for Microsoft, Microsoft is a multinational company. Mm-hmm. And I had the opportunity to go to work with customers in different countries. And I'm really, I really love traveling. Yeah. So that was one of the, and, I, and, and also being um, in, in the legal field, it also gave me an opportunity to kind of look into the laws and things of that nature in other, other countries. And I love learning new languages. So I'm kind of eclectic like that, so. Okay. And I love traveling. So did you? <laughs> so once you got your MBA and working with Microsoft, mm-hmm. were you able to go to a bunch of different countries and do stuff for Microsoft? Yeah, so I was able to travel for Microsoft. Um, I had some customers. Uh, so once I got my MBA, I became a program manager um, for Microsoft uh, support services. And as you know, Microsoft go Microsoft um, products are supported uh, f- for ten years. Yeah. Five years they have mainstream support, and five years they have extended support. Some companies can't move to the next product after the extended support period is over, mm-hmm. and so we uh, Microsoft offers something called custom support for some some of the products, and uh, and that and that that's what I did in my program management role. Help work with customers um, about having custom support, and help them get a path to the newest product that they can move to that's fully supported. Some companies have, you know, they have multinational businesses, they have acquisitions, so lots of times the, the company that they acquire is on old software and old hardware, so they have to take a path. They can't just change to, for example, you know, Office 365 mm-hmm. when everybody's not ready. So right. that, so in that position, I got to work with a lot of uh, co- companies in different countries, so. So That's what, very interesting. What's some of the countries that you've been to with your job? Oh, I've been to I've been to Japan. I've been to Guam, the Philippines, Europe, and so just to name a few. Nice. Any favorites <laughs> out of those? My well, I went to Saudi Arabia too. Actually, okay. Saudi Arabia was one of my favorite places. Really. Even though I had to cover. Yeah. Um, when I went off off base, but to me it was like. Being in Bible times with cars. <laughs> that's so. <laughs> I don't know. That's that's amazing. That is a... <laughs> the, you know the thing that really um the only thing that really bothered me about being in Saudi Arabia is not being able to drive, not having to dress, you know, to cover. Yeah. But you, driving is against the law for women. And it was very difficult for me. I'd be like, oh, I'm going to go. Oh, wait, I have to well, find a driver. Right, right, right. <laughs> can, can somebody take me to the Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I feel a, a certain part of me feels like I'd be cool with that. Like, driver, 
Well, true. I need you to take me to the grocery store. <laughs> wow, I'm telling you, there's no rules of the road over there, so oh. it's it's kind of good that you're not driving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. So you, you can't even be sitting in the back and be comfortable. you you got to be no. nervous the entire time and be like, okay, well, uh, yeah, that <laughs> that is amazing. Okay. There's one interesting thing about Saudi and driving is what I call highway prayer because, you know, <laughs> prayer time. Yeah. So everybody, like, pulls off the side of the road and pulls out their prayer rug. So I'm like, okay. So that was interesting. Yeah. So, wow. I wonder how, I wonder what would happen if, like, a tourist was still driving during prayer time, like. They probably they probably will be okay with it. Huh. Okay. They probably you know, because they figure that they didn't know, you know. Right. All the stores close, the mall closes down, everything closes during prayer time. Wow. Yeah, so you can drive but you're not going anywhere. That's right. <laughs> sitting in there with some camels in the back of the truck or whatever. <laughs> it was a, it was an interesting time and I just you know, I respect everyone's culture and I feel like, you know, so their their civilization's been going a heck of a lot longer than ours, so yeah. Who's to say which one is the best? Hey, I I, I have no arguments about that. <laughs> I, I totally agree. You, I don't know who's right or wrong, and uh, I just go with the flow. Nobody knows. That's right. Right. Just go with the flow. <laughs> but yeah. So anyway, guess getting back to um, the work that you're doing now. That now, uh, after being at Microsoft and working with tech, now with INC tutoring and doing uh-huh. more STEM work. Uh, what got you and uh, interested in going into INC tutoring and being a part of the world that's trying to get STEM more into the minds of our children? Well, one of the things that I see, um, so being in the tech industry, you know, I go to a lot of conventions and a lot of uh, meetings for um, the tech industry. And I notice when those meetings that people of color and women are a very small minority, even today. there's I feel like there's no reason why I should go to something like a Tech Ready at Microsoft and see, you know, 10,000 people in the audience and see maybe 100 people of color. Yeah. You know, Hispanic. I mean, we have a lot of... The tech industry has a large Asian population. Mm-hmm. But as far as Hispanics and African Americans and women, mm-hmm. it's a very small, even this day and age. So... Wow. Um, and, and, and quite frankly, when you look at the uh, occupational outlook, then the tech industry has the highest salaries. Yeah. And I hate to see, as I, tra- as I travel, I see, you know, people, with color, people of color and minorities um, in hotels, all in the service industry. There's a plethora. Service industry, customer ser- support on the phone. But when you get up to developers and program managers, project managers, the amount of African-Americans, Hispanics, and women dwindles. So I am very passionate about increasing the numbers of people from underserved communities in tech and helping prepare them for the lucrative 21st century careers. That's amazing, yeah. It, it is unfortunate. I think the number is starting to rise, but it's very unfortunate that, especially in the tech industry, in the science industry as well, mm-hmm. that uh, people of color and women are, are at, down here, basically. Exactly. And we, we want to get them. We want to mm-hmm. push them up. And so uh, how is INC tutoring doing that, especially for students of color? Well, we work with a lot of uh, nonprofit agencies. We're the tutoring company of choice for the Jack and Jill organization. Um, we work with a lot of HBCUs, churches, and just evangelizing, you know, the technical industry and getting kids involved in um, science and technology uh, careers. 
one of the things that that I'd like to start focusing on now is because you know there's a lot of uh, a lot of impetus and a lot of focus on preparing children, but I feel like we need to evangelize the importance of science and technology to the parents. Yes, I am a hundred percent on board. Uh, I don't know if you know, I had wrote a book called In the Know, um, setting up your ah. child for a STEM career. And okay. the whole emphasis behind that is getting the parents involved. Yes, yes, yes. I, it's something that I've been really struggling with because I, uh, YNC Tutoring partnered with uh, Upward Bound mm-hmm. to go to inner city school and do tutoring for free to the children. Mm. Uh, it was about two years ago. I was there like every Tuesday and Thursday. Yes. And the children didn't show up. Because, oh, I've got football practice. Yeah. Oh, I've got homecoming. Yeah. And the parents, the parents were saying, oh, they can't come because i got homecoming. And yeah. I'm like, you know, I just, it's hard like, for me to yeah, figure you, it out. You have homecoming, you have this, you have that. I understand that. But you're also flunking science. You're, you're flunking exactly. this class. And for me, uh-huh. it's upsetting that the parents put more emphasis on oh, sports my gosh. and things like that than their academic career. Uh-huh. I've thought a lot about why, mm-hmm. and I think that this is what I've come up with being, you know, a sociologist, is that there's a lot of parents that are, have students in those little schools. The parents went to those schools, yeah, and they weren't prepared for college. They're in really dead-end jobs, and, and for them, high school was like the highlight of their life, and I think they want to make sure that it's a highlight for their children mm-hmm. and focusing on that because I think, well, once they get out and go to work, then it's going to be nothing but drudgery. That's right. kind of what I've come up with. I haven't tested the theory, but... Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's a good theory. Another thing is that um, some parents also in the same dilemma that you spoke of see sports as a way out. You know? They do. And they're trying to get their children to understand... That if you can go to school mm-hmm. on a scholarship, A, you're getting going mm-hmm. to school for free, and then B, you're having right. this opportunity to use sports to get to another level. That's um, true. Unfortunately, there's a lot of students who do that and who actually do go to the NBA, the NFL, or whatever, mm-hmm. but they are on the sideline, and they don't know how to manage their money, and when they get mm-hmm. out, they're not even there very long, and when they get out, they're they're mm-hmm. back to being broke. Well, this is what I tell the parents, you know, okay, yeah, so you might get a scholarship for football, but you have to stay there, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So what are you going to do if you're not academically fit? Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. You actually have to go to class. You actually have to get the grade, you know? Mm-hmm. And what I tell right. parents, too, yeah. if they haven't been, uh, especially in basketball, if they haven't been watching your kids since the eighth grade mm-hmm. and watching their basketball career from middle school to high school, odds are you can be good, but you're not going to be you know right. Steph Curry played did. yeah mm-hmm. yeah you're not gonna be the head the headliner no you're not and, and same thing with football football's more high school they they start to watch these kids in high school that's gonna mm-hmm. be these big time players in football I mean in college mm-hmm. and in the NFL and then you can't get hurt if you get hurt and yep. they cut you and you don't have an academic background exactly what are you gonna you do yeah, you get hurt, you get in trouble, mm-hmm. uh, you know. I try to emphasize to the parents that, so, football and basketball, professional sports is a business. Mm-hmm. So, if Jerry Jones can't afford to pay my my son $50,000 a year, then how much do you think Jerry's making? This is what you want to do. You want to be the owner. Right. 
thank you. You, you don't want to be, be You want to be the person paying for these dudes. Or paying exactly. And, and watching the tapes and making sure these kids go into the NFL. You don't want to play. Mm-hmm. Not saying you don't want to play. You can play all you want to. But right. um, you want to have a goal to go past that. Exactly. And have some type of a, you know, some type of a, a, a weight out to prepare yourself. Because let's face it, even if you're, same with dance. If you're a professional ballerina, you're only going to be a professional ballerina to probably 30, 35. Yeah. You've got to have something to do after that because your right. body just can't take that abuse all the time. Right. And, and speaking of the young ladies, you know, um, I see an emphasis actually on for boys and girls to be mm-hmm. more interested in their outer appearance than oh my gosh, what's yes. going on upstairs. Mm-hmm. And, you know what I'm saying? Like, exactly. I see it. You, your grades are terrible, but your parents buy you the newest phone, the newest clothes, mm-hmm. the newest shoes. And they're basically um, not promoting. Uh, they are saying consumerism, that, basically. Yeah, and they're 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 basically giving you a treat for not going to school and not getting the grade. Mm-hmm. You know? Exactly, exactly. I, I think a lot of so <laughs> one of the things we do with our children was we made sure that they had some skin in the game. You know, mm-hmm. they're growing up. I'm not gonna just give them stuff. I'm not gonna just buy you a car. You're gonna have, I'll buy you a car, but you're gonna make me payments, and there's a payment book, and I'm gonna teach you how to how to manage your money because when you grow up, the people don't care if you you know if you lose your job, they want their mortgage payment and they want their car payment, and you better have a way to do that. That's that's how I feel about um, you know these participation prizes and people saying, oh no, everyone gets a participation ribbon. There's no winners, there's right. no losers. That's not the real. Right. World. <laughs> exactly. That is a lie, works. okay? <laughs> That's alternative fact. <laughs> That's an alternative fact. <laughs> That's not how it works. That's how not any of this works. Like, yeah. no, you have to teach your kids that it's okay to lose, learn from where you messed up for the mm-hmm. next time. Exactly. And there's mm-hmm. no harm in, you know, not being number one, but you should always be striving to be the best that you could be. That's, what, you know, what I try to preach. And, and so I talk to a lot of young people. I am a certified youth coach as well. So that's another thing. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Your resume <laughs> is ridiculous. I've just lived a long time, and <laughs> I've had an opportunity to do lots of things. I, I made it my business when I was growing up. I, I decided that I was going to do everything that I wanted to do, maybe not at the same time. But mm-hmm. I was going to do it all. And when I die, I don't never want to regret that there's something that I wanted to do that I didn't do. So, Gloria, what I'm going to say is I am going to keep your cell phone number in my phone <laughs> and, <laughs> and your email. And we're just going to have to uh, – I'm going to need you to be a mentor. I need to – I'm going to have to call you more often and be like, Gloria, I need you. I do it a lot. <laughs> Okay, um, well, we are almost out of time. We got about four minutes left. Oh, my I gosh. To, I know, so 30 fast. minutes goes very, very <laughs> fast. Um, I wanted to give you an opportunity to promote yourself, promote INC Tutoring or whatever you want to promote. And then also, if you have a social media or if you feel comfortable mm-hmm. sharing any information about yourself, how could someone, let's say a student or someone who's interested in what you're doing, wants to talk to you, how can they get in touch with you? Exactly. So, as I said, INC Tutoring is a private prescriptive tutoring company focused on STEM and standardized test preparation. We also do mentoring. We, um, we're we private and prescriptive, and we take the person's learning style into consideration as well. And we don't just tutor children. We go from cradle to crib because adults are going back to school every day, and a lot of adults don't want to go back to school because they're afraid of math or science. Our website is www.inctutoring.com. 
My personal email address is g.veal, V-E-A-L, at inctutoring.com. And you can find all of our social media information on our website. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. And we have lots of uh, interactions on the page. Absolutely. And I will add to that. Um, I have known Gloria for a while. You know, we've never had like this really serious sit down conversation. I know. And I know the CEO of INC Tutoring. If you have any questions about that too, you always can feel free to hit me up. You know, all of my social media is Kat Bobino, or you can go to my website, catbobino.com and ask me anything. So now I want to say thank you so much, Gloria, for taking your time out today all the way from Texas to come join us. Absolutely a pleasure. Yes, and to my audience, thank you so much for joining us this week. And every week when we talk to diverse people in STEM, uh, until next time, and always, if you have questions, always, always hit me up. I am more than willing to answer them. Thank you until next time.